Welcome to ITB's Travel Hero podcast. I'm your host, Charlotte Lamp-Davies, with management consultancy, A Bright Approach. Today, we are delighted to welcome two participants who have only just met each other five minutes ago. We have kept their identities a secret from each other right up until now in order to create a realistic blind date podcast. Before I introduce you in more detail to Leah and Ingo, let me remind you that the podcast is titled Gen Z Blind Date, The Meeting of Two Generations. We hope to highlight and debate how the workspace has changed and what expectations the next generation has of work and the workplace, what excites them, and how do older generations adapt and adhere to the pace of change. From reducing the work week to four days, hybrid working models, blended travel, and expectations from the offset of the Gen Z generation. This and much more shall be discussed in the next 20 minutes. And just one more detail before we get started. Whilst it's often very sensitive to discuss age professionally, I have the blessing from both Leah and Ingo to mention that one is at the beginning of a career path and the other one has retirement in sight. Thus, our audience can appreciate that we really have engaged two different generations in the podcast today. So let me please welcome Leo and Ingo. I think you are best both placed to introduce yourselves. So Leah, please tell us where you are in your studies and what you consider next steps in your professional career. Over to you. Thanks. Hello everyone. Um, in February this year, I finished my Bachelor in Tourism Management and I'm now doing my Master's in Management of Services Enterprises, which has a focus on in HR and how to involve a company. For me, it's very interesting because I'm thinking about working in HR later on. So there's a lot I experienced doing several jobs and I made different experiences, for example, in job interviews. Furthermore, I talked a lot about the topics with my friends, so I bear all, all these experiences in mind and I want to get the best out of it in my future job, maybe, as a, maybe in a job. Fantastic. Welcome to the podcast today, Leah. Uh, I'm excited to have you here. Ingo, uh, you get the same opportunity to tell us a little bit about your path and how you ended up working in business travel. Yeah, hello everyone. Um, I'm Ingo Biel, uh, 65 years old, uh, have a family, a son of 30 and a daughter of 22 years and a wife, of course, no age. Um, yeah, when I was a student in school, I admired my teacher so much that I decided to become a teacher as well. But uh, once I started with my studies, and ended my studies, um, I finally found uh, that in Germany there were too many teachers that time and no place for new teachers. So I had to take a tough decision and change my mindset. So after some extensive, intensive discussions with friends and family, of course, um, I started my professional career with an apprenticeship in a travel agency in Darmstadt, in my hometown. It was very clear to me that after those two and a half years apprenticeship that uh, this will not be my final destination. So I looked for a job in sales and ended with British Airways. 
where I was responsible for clients in the southwest region of Germany. I never stopped looking for new challenges and opportunities to develop further within BA. So after seven and a half years with BA, I changed the airline. I went from Scandinavian Airlines to Swiss Air and Sabina, always in sales and distribution jobs. And um, after, um, well, everyone knows the story about Swiss Air. They got grounded, they got bankrupt, and I had to close the offices again. Um, so since 2002 then, um, I got the chance to work with a, a VDR, the German Business Travel Association, and that's where I'm still working. Fantastic. So quite an interesting path, especially when you think about what you had expected or, or what, you know, the, the route that you had expected for yourself versus where you actually ended up. Maybe we can talk about that a little bit uh, further later on. Thank you very much both for, for setting the scene. Leah, let's talk very specifically about your expectations uh, going forward. So what are your expectations of a future employer and what would sway you to join one company over another? E.g. you probably have some specific demands. Well, I think I'm not only talking for myself, but also for like many people of my generation um, that it always starts during the job interview. Uh, is there a couple of tests that we have to do um, without talking to anyone during the whole process or is it a procedure with many applicants um, that, that are competing with each other or do they um, look at the people individually? Do they talk with us? Um, am I just a person uh, with some with grades? Are they important or maybe have a look uh, on the way the person went. For example, is it a CV without any detours or did the person did something else? Like to get to know us or to get to know me in person um, and to see um, what my experiences are and um, maybe what I can do for the company. Do I fit in a team? Is it, is it a match? Does it work, for example? What's important as well is the mindset of the people that are interviewing me and the mindset that, well, takes the whole company. Um, are the people just resources or are they with individuals? Is it a team or is it just some individuals fighting for themselves? Mm -hmm. I think that makes a huge difference and um, I think there are so many parts that are important. Uh, for example, good working life balance. Um, is it possible or are there any promotion prospects? Is it possible to get further trainings? What can the company offer me to evolve myself? Mm -hmm. And also what can I do for the company? Does it fit? Mm -hmm. So what, what you're really highlighting is that uh, unless a, a company as an organization shows a specific interest in you, right down to maybe wanting to have you come to an interview in person, um, you know, to see you, to feel you, to get a sense of who you are as an individual, that would be something that you would, you would sway in such a company's direction versus a company that said, yes, let's keep meeting like this online or, or sit another test for us, if you don't mind. 
Am I am I getting that right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, I think that's a good start. We'll come back to you in a minute, uh, Ingo. Um, think back to that very first job when you got your internship. Did you, apart from being very happy to get the interview, did you have many demands? Can you recall what was important to you at the time? Um, yeah, it was interesting to hear from Leah um, what's uh, so important these days, but. The, the days I was, I started my job, and I would like to switch a little bit into the job of British Airways when I got the job at BA, because that was the day I, I don't forget. Because it's a little story, but uh, maybe uh, it's interesting. Because uh, it was a, I remember that day. It was a hot summer day, end of July in '87. And those days, it was very clear that you have to dress very correctly, especially when you would like to work for a British company. So anyway, because it was so hot, I stripped my jacket and walked into the room, into the interview room, with my jacket thrown over my arm. And there they were, the general manager, the sales manager, and they were, well, not so amused, I would say, um, seeing me like that. Well, I explained um, because it was so hot and so on, and they nodded. Uh, but later in the year, they made very clear to me that that was a no-go. And it almost had jeopardized my <laughs> employment. So funny enough, or lucky enough for me, I got the job. But that was a lesson learned for me in those days that the formal things are very important. So of course, I had to apply and uh, I did my um, CV and so on and so on. And I had to sell myself in, in uh, front of them. But that little story uh, gives maybe the difference um, to today's um, interviews. I think it's not so much important that you are uh, dressed correctly. Of course, you need to be dressed in a uh, uh, in a correct way, in an appropriate way. Yeah, correct. But uh, there are so many other um, aspects who who should be important. And um, if you if you uh, feel the right uh, touch for yourself, that this is the right employer for you, and that's not a job as one hundred or thousands of jobs, but it's the job that fits for your qualifications and uh, it's um, this little little story I remember when I think back in my life. Indeed. Um, now I, I am uh, I'm closer to your age than to Leah's age uh, I, and, I, and I can share with you and the audience that I was mostly in the beginning just very grateful to get an interview. <laughs> and I, I always had a sense of saying yes to all the things which I knew I had to say yes to. It was only later on that I got a little bit uh, more secure and confident in actually sort of putting down a couple of demands from my side, which I think that this particular generation, Leah's generation and the one after her, I think they are very fully aware already of, of what they consider to be acceptable when they go into their new jobs. Um, there is probably still an aspect of, of having to suck it and see, I guess they say sometimes, which comes with also when you start out in your career. We need to get that balance of understanding what the next generations expect, but also the responsibility that they need to take on, you know, in, in order to get a headway. Leah, can I just very quickly ask, is there one thing that would stand out 
you may not have an answer, but is there one thing that you can think of that would make you think, this is absolutely not for me. This com for this reason, I'm out. This is not the right company for me. I think really that those tasks where I wouldn't be able to talk with anyone, where I wouldn't to get to know anyone of the company, but just get to put uh, in front of a computer, here's your task, do the tasks. Even if they would say, yeah, you're good enough or something else, I would probably say, okay, no, is it, what else happens? Am I going to talk to anyone or do you just hire me without to get to really know me? I guess I wouldn't do that. That would be a completely no. <laughs> yeah, and unfortunately, we know that this happens. So let this be a warning to anybody that listens to this podcast. You might lose the very best people if you go forward that way. It's being discussed in many countries, the proposed sort of four-day work week. Leah, I'll, I'll start with you again. What are your thoughts on this? And, uh, and how on earth can one or your generation do the same job uh, in less time than previous generations? Well, a lot changed during the last years and especially the part of the technology. I think this is a very important player. It's a huge difference if I have a, a new computer which just works very quickly so I can finish my task quickly or if I have to wait like five minutes until a tab opens or a window so I can proceed with my work. I think that's very important that we have to be in mind. I can get a lot of work done with very fast technology. And I think that makes a huge difference. And moreover, I think um, it's even possible to get completely things done faster uh, because you get uh, easier and quicker your answers from perhaps colleagues or clients, even if they not near to you. You can just email them or just give them a call and if they don't, uh, if they aren't able to answer, they can just email you as well. So you get things done very quick. And I think that's very important that we have to be in mind. Mm -hmm. And that brings us on to the work-life balance. But Ingo, your thoughts on this, um, are we getting there? Is it feasible? Are we in sight of maybe reducing our work week down to four days as far as you're concerned? Well, I believe um, with a confidential working time in place, and uh, maybe if you have clear targets to reach, depending on the workload, of course, you can offer this model to your employees. And there's a good chance that this will have a positive effect on the working conditions. So work-life balance, probably. Not just because of the technological working options in place, but especially when it fits to your personal situation in life. And this, this could really uh, be a very positive factor for the, for the whole working surrounding in a company. Absolutely. Um, and of course, you know, it's something that's being discussed um, across governments and many countries uh, at the very minute. So no doubt we will see um, we will see some differences there going forward. That brings us on nicely, I think, to talk a little bit about the hybrid working model, um, pros and cons. Do we even need an office anymore? If we need an office, why do we need an office? Um, I think let's hear from you, Ingo, first this time. It'll be good for you to just share some of your experiences and preferences maybe when it comes to hybrid models. Yeah, <clears throat> during the pandemic, we have learned to work from home or remote wherever possible. So far, so good. But uh, now we hear from all, most all employees that uh, not only the chat at the coffee machine is missing, 
but the personal exchange of ideas and emotions that is missing. So, for instance, we in at VDR we decided to to have a, at least one day a month where all hands must be on deck, so to say, everyone in the office at the same day, and we hold meetings, team meetings in the old-fashioned way. So we sit around the table and we discuss what is actually happening. Um, and that is so important for the, for the team effort, uh, for the teamwork. And uh, then we can go off again and um, do our things wherever we want to. But um, I think coming together, um, mingling around and talking uh, is, is uh, important to be successful at the end. Wonderful. Um, I like I like the insight uh, and the thoughts here. Um, Leah, what are your views here and maybe predictions for the future? That's after all where you're going to be. Well, I, I have to agree with you, um, especially when I have a look uh, at my generation who may just be about to start within a new company. Um, especially in this situation, I would love to go to an office to meet my colleagues to get to be a team and to see where every, what everyone's doing and where they're doing perhaps uh, see their faces and not he only hearing names. I think that's something we really missed during COVID and only during these online meetings. It's completely different if we see a person, well, a person in reality or on a computer. Um, but I also think that everyone should have the possibility to work from home. Well, if it's possible with the job, of course, if you're a waitress or something, it's not possible to work from home. Um, and I think it's very, a very important factor. Like, all my friends are happy to have the possibility. Um, I kind of keep talking with them, with them about these topics because, well, it seems like it's very important to everyone uh, to ha at least have a possibility to work from home. I don't know if maybe a craftsman comes to you and has to repair something in the flat. It's good to have the possibility to be at home, like just to open the door, <laughs> yeah. uh, to let him the person in. Um, and I still think that we don't need offices in the way we still have them. I think we don't really need a fixed spot for everyone. Maybe you need an office and some tables and chairs, but not like I have this fixed spot where I sit whenever I come to my office. Because most of the things I do, I probably do this on a laptop. I take home with myself so I can place a laptop everywhere in this office. So maybe I don't need this fixed space. <laughs> Yeah, the coming together, I think we can, across all generations on, on this podcast, agree that uh, it will not be healthy for anyone if they never come together as a team physically. Yeah. Um, and, and, I'm, and I'm glad that, that both ends uh, of, the, <laughs> of, the, of the blind date agrees on that. It's very difficult to create culture like this on a screen as we are now. As much as it's nice to see each other like this, it does not quite create the same atmosphere and you don't quite get the same sense of one another, obviously, as you do when you are with other people in real life. But I also agree that it actually makes life very easy when you have an option 
and you were mentioning just something as a tradesman coming to your house. It's just great that you can organize that day, that week from home. Um, and that is to everybody's benefit. The same for obviously uh, anybody who has young children. There's also a lot of things that are just much, much easier to do. I. I could have done with that when I had small children, for example. So, so I think we are we're on on a good path here. I'd like to talk a little bit about job sharing. You know, could you imagine in the future, uh, in a work situation, could you imagine your, yourself in a job share position, for example? I think that's a very interesting idea, and I see many pros and cons over here. Um, well, on the con side, I would definitely say it takes more time for agreements to uh, talk with each other. But I also see many more pros and chances for this. Um, I think we could even get better outputs, like you in a little team with many different ideas, so you can get uh, very good stuff done, very good things. Um, maybe also if you're on holidays, uh, you know that someone at work taking care of the business. So you're not back at home um, and also you not think that you, well, during your holidays you don't have to think that much about work because someone is caring and when you're back you don't have these huge amount of emails that you have to answer because lots of the stuff is already done. And mm. you can also be sure that it's done in a good way because you talk to this person a lot. I think to start to have this sharing position might be a bit difficult, but I think if it's um, well played team, I think it's very good and I think it could be make a lot easier. Great, I, I, I like that insight, thank you. Ingo, have you had any direct experiences with this or, or have you managed anyone job sharing? No, not yet. Uh, I don't have any experience myself, but uh, I have an opinion. Um, in my team, for instance, uh, where we have several colleagues with part-time uh, contracts and all have dedicated job descriptions, sharing model would be very challenging. So you need what you need is employees with um, identical qualifications yeah. and you have uh, smooth working processes, then it could work as well. So if a situation would arise, I would love to, to give it a chance in that mm -hmm. respect. Mm. So I think, yeah, it's more pros than cons here. I agree with yeah. you. Yeah, definitely. Uh, and I think at certain at certain times of your career, maybe this particular model uh, could indeed, uh, you know, be a be a very very positive addition to not having to give up work or or whatever it might be. Yeah. But actually, you can continue, but maybe with some reduced hours as well, if the job is actually shared amongst uh, more than one person. Leah, ten years from now, you will naturally be in charge. So, do you think that your generation, or you specifically, will value what an older employee might bring to an organization? Say you're recruiting now. I hope so. <laughs> um, it's the right answer. I, <laughs> <laughs> um, well, I think it also makes a huge uh, difference on the experiences you made. Um, but I see huge benefits over here in this interdisciplinary team. Um, but for that, it's important to get along with each other, uh, to treat each other with respect and nicely, to listen to each other. Um, what I experienced a lot is 
from all the generations, like uh, this is, has always worked, so we don't change anything, or I'm the older one, so you got to listen to me. Uh, and I think that wouldn't be helpful <laughs> at all. Um, I think if we can get rid of that, um, to get just to work with each other, to listen to each other, I think this would be very good because of course, the older generation have different experiences, and um, just because I'm younger and maybe I've got I learned something different in my studies, um, they don't replace these experiences those people made. And I think it would be a very good team to have those different people sitting around one table. I think it would be a great benefit for everyone. I think that's very beautifully put um, and, and very thoughtful as well. Um, Ingo, Leah did touch on that one, the stubbornness of people as they get older, maybe, if we say it nicely. Uh, do you think that sort of your and, and my generation to some extent, but do you think that this generation struggles a little bit with appreciating what the younger generation brings into an organization? I mean, is there enough appreciation for what the next generation can do? That might be the way in, in some areas here or with some persons, but I don't think that age is the main factor here. It's the mental attitude that someone brings uh, into the job, no matter what age he, she it is. So, so my advice, my idea is to bring different mindsets on the table in the team that mix, uh, makes the success of a team, like Leah said, the interdisciplinary um, attitude, and that drives innovation and makes the working place a fun place to work and a fun place to be. I mean, so let's go for it. Age, young and old, together. <laughs> it's a wonderful thought. It's a little bit idealistic. Uh, and uh, I think we all know this, you know, when, when you get to a certain age, it's difficult to get an interview. And when you start your career, it's sometimes difficult to get an interview because you yeah. don't have the experience. I mean, it's a, yeah. it's a lose-lose sometimes. But if companies are very open towards wanted, you know, a bit of a blended mix, then, you know, I think they are the winners. They really are yeah. because... They are bringing, as you both say, a lot of different talent and a lot of different experience together. And we all, we all, young or old, we all have to keep our ear to the ground and actually adapt to new things. I think that's what keeps some people in work for much longer than others from experience. I can see that people that want to adapt and try to adapt to new things. And I'm excited about the next generations coming in and uh, I, uh, I think we are nearly at the end of uh, our podcast with all this positivity. That's not such a bad place to end. Is there one bit of advice, Ingo, that you would give Leah as she sort of embarks on her career? Well, what I heard in the podcast, uh, Leah is absolutely on the right track. And uh, just be yourself, be authentical, and um, then you will make your wave straight ahead. That's wonderful. Um, Thank you. Yeah. That's very nice. <laughs> <laughs> and I would like to use this opportunity to say uh, to you, Ingo, um, enjoy what comes next. Uh, we don't even have to use the word retirement. I'm sure somebody like no. you will still be involved with uh, all sorts of things. And uh, and that's how we would, would very much, very much like it. Thank you. We have certainly enjoyed uh, your views and considerate thoughts and uh, I think one can say that it seems communication 
as always, is key to success, especially when it comes to change. So thank you very, very much. You have been great podcast heroes, both of you. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks, Charlotte. It was lovely moderation. Thank you very much. And I should also say thanks to our audience for listening, of course. You can find many more uh, Travel Hero podcast uh, casts on ITB's website. And please don't forget to check out an article which will be posted on the ITB newsroom on this very topic. I also know that we will debate the topic again and much more at ITB Berlin 24. And maybe if we're lucky, we might be able to get Ingo and Leah up on stage and continue the conversation that we have started today next year in March. Nice idea. <laughs> next month, our podcast will focus on the upcoming Asia, ITB Asia conference, and we shall hear news from the East during that time. So till then, Stay well and stay tuned. Thank you.